Hey guys, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 60 of the show where geeks talk about God. I'm Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. Man, how you how you been doing? I feel so bad. We are recording so late because I ditched you. <laughs> I, 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 like, it's like old school. We are back in junior high, man, and I ditched you. I feel really bad about that. I sat by the phone all night waiting oh, for your call. And crushing, it never came. It crushing. never came. <laughs> you know, you, you were you were sitting there with the the long, windy, twisty cord, and you were, <laughs> twirling you were the running cord it around your fingers. fingers. Luke, I do yes. believe we just dated ourselves by the fact that our phones had cords. Oh, for sure, for <laughs> sure. And did you have the extra long cord so you could stretch it around the corner through the room and close the door so you could have privacy? Naturally, that thing was at least twenty foot long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I don't really have an excuse. I totally just ditched you. Well, that you did said, just move. We I'll are. We that. just did just move. So I'm a little bit. So folks, if I say anything today that's just absolutely wrong, just ignore it. Okay. Just just know that sometimes there's not enough sleep and too much heavy lifting and <laughs> bad things. It's a bad happen. combination of events right there. <laughs> so yeah, we are pretty much into our new house. We've got a couple of little, oh, uh, you know, last minute clean up, take down kind of stuff at the uh, at the old house. But we are here, and believe it or not, though, man. Uh, over this period of time since we've last recorded, I've played a lot of games. I I can say that I've played a lot of one game, but okay. let's hear about uh, let's hear about yours first. I have I think I I might perhaps based on the content of our last few episodes be able to determine what that was. But all right, there's a good so I'll chance tell you of what, that. Uh, um, we'll kind of go through them in, in chronological order, I guess. Sure. Um, the first game. Uh, I played was Soro or Suro. I love that unpronounceable game. word. I love that game so much. Unpronounceable word, um, and uh, it was one of those things where you know you get to game group and there's only two or three or four people there and we're waiting on everybody else and I brought my copy, so we were able to play. Uh, strange uh, for those of you who don't know what the game is, it's a tile laying game where you are creating a path for your stone, which isn't actually made out of stone, which drives me a little bit crazy, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, and uh, we actually ended up replacing the stones with various uh, miniature figurines, Legos, that kind of thing. But uh, as you place the stones, your goals are to not run off the board or not run into any uh, other people. It's a very, very quick game, very easy game to pick up. Uh, and yet, it's still it's still fun. I mean, I think there are. It's there a good is some opening game. It is, uh, you know, for such a simple game though, it's almost impossible to determine strategy. No, you're, mean, you are flying only, by the seat of your pants in that. You game. know, it's one of those games that kind of comes down to the last turn, and whatever happens happens. Um, but it's still fun, and it is at a perfect opener like if you've never played hobby games before uh this is like anybody can pick this up and play and figure out what's going on yeah, really you, really quick you're not going to carry a game night on Soro but you will open no. it up really well right uh so we also then played a couple of rounds of timeline which we talked about in the last episode so yep. we won't get too much into that other than to say uh where i play happens to be uh kind of and I guess you would call it a university area. Okay. There's like two universities and one um, graduate school. And we're all really dumb, it turns <laughs> out. Uh, 
and have very little knowledge of things that happened in the 70s. Because we weren't around for that. I right. Think. Uh, so, yeah, played some Timeline, and then played Zularetto, a game I don't think we've ever talked about on this show, and probably no, we, we need to. Oddly enough, I just had a friend of mine who showed a picture of his kids playing Candyland, and I said, oh, man, there is a world of gaming with your kids that I could open up to you that would be much better on you and your sanity than 40 games of Candyland would be. And um, what- there's what, just about nothing that is worse for you than your sanity than 40 games of Candyland. Exactly. And one of the games that I recommended was Electroshock therapy is better than 40 games of Candyland. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one of the games I recommended was Zularetto. Uh, so, Zularetto, you are building a zoo. Uh, you have in front of you a zoo that's made up of a number of pens. You can actually expand that, add uh, one pen, at least in the original. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of expansions for Zularetto. Uh, and you also have a barn. Uh, each player has that zoo, and uh, the way the game is played is a series of tiles are inside of a bag. Uh, each tile represents one of a kind of animal um, or a money chip. And uh, some of the animals have gender signs on them, male or female. But uh, you draw the tile, but you don't get to use that tile. You place that tile on one uh, truck, and there are as many trucks as there are players. Each truck can hold up to three tiles. So during your turn, you can uh, draw a tile. You can do a money action, which basically is going to be trading and moving and things like that. Or you can take a truck. Uh, and there li- therein lies the, the complexity of the game. When do you take your truck? And you were trying to build the trucks so that they are beneficial to you but not beneficial to others. And basically the goal is to fill your paddocks with groups of the same kind of animal. So you don't get pulling, you can't put a, uh, a lion in with an elephant. They have to all be lions. They have to all be elephants. Actually, I don't think there are lions. I think they're cheetahs or something like that. But uh, that's the basic gist of the game. Um, you know, kind of, I don't know, how, what's the best way to, like a light Euro game, I think. Yeah, I can buy that. probably the best, best way to put it. Uh, It's a good game. Uh, I will caution you this, though. If you are playing with a lot of people, there is often um, a lot of downtime. Because when you take a truck, you are out for the rest of that round. That is your final action for that round. And so if you decide to take a truck early, you can be sitting there and just staring at other people playing for, you know, five, five, ten minutes, maybe. And, um... I don't know about you, but that kind of bores me. Yeah, a little bit. So uh, that's Zularetto. Uh, and like you said, I think it's popular as a kid's game. Um, I know that uh, uh, our store markets it that way. Though I don't necessarily... Other than the theme, I don't know why it's necessarily not an adult game. Well, that, that's the thing. I, the but, reason I, I recommended it to this guy at church was because... Uh, <laughs> I I could just see the the joy that he had at his children's, you know, love of board games, but the fear and trepidation as he thought that he was going to be playing Candyland the rest of his life. So I wanted to make sure that I gave him a game that his kids would enjoy, but he would also enjoy. Right. Uh, well, I'll tell you about a game that I didn't enjoy. How about Uh-oh. that? What's that? 
and is that is a game called We Did Not Playtest This Game. I've heard about it. I know nothing about it at all. So we sit down and they pull out this game. They, it's called We Don't We Did Not We Didn't Playtest This Game or We Didn't Playtest This at All or something with, like that. With the expansion, we didn't playtest this either. Right. Actually, there are two expansions now, <laughs> but we only played with the core deck. They have we had the expansions, but just started with the core deck. And I was like, I don't really know how to play. They're like, Do you not play Flux? Yes, I do. Draw one, play one. Then like that's all you do. Okay. So you're playing along, and I wasn't. I was like the third player. The first player pulls out a uh, a card and uh, looks at it and goes, "Okay, on three, we're gonna all play rock paper scissors." Okay, one, two, three. Everybody in the whole thing is out. Everybody loses except for this one guy. What? <laughs> that's the whole game. That's how the game works, right? It's like, you know, rock paper scissors. Anybody who doesn't do rock loses. Game over. What? <laughs> and there are some other mechanics in the game, like you can try to build points in front of your, uh, in front of your hand, but it's ridiculous because you're going to be out of, like immediately. It's like you know, put out, uh, you know, show a number of uh, on your hand, show a number on your hand, one through five. All right, anybody who did an odd number is out. <laughs> you know, um, and so even we were playing with like eight people, and I don't think it ever went more than two rounds. Oh, that's it's crazy. Like, it's like instant elimination. Um, it's it's ridiculous. And so it's kind of fun to play just to pull out something ridiculous. But it's a really crappy game. Does that make sense? No, I, I, uh, I can see that. There's an argument it's to be almost had. like It's almost like an inside gamer's joke. Yeah, I can see that it's something that you do like in between games of, and just being like... Yeah, this is a bit of ridiculousness, but it'll be funny ridiculousness. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so then we played another card game, uh, which I haven't yet decided about. I'm hoping you can help me. Okay. Uh, and the game is called Bonanza. Oh, the the bean farming game? The bean farming game. Uh, which, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't ever expecting that I would use that line in my life. The bean farming game. Right. Uh, so it is a card game uh, in which you are... Essentially, I mean, it's a it's a gin, right? You're you're trying to collect groups of the same card, um, uh, rummy, I guess is right. Uh, I'm not exactly Mister uh, Classic Card Game, sorry. <laughs> um, but the, the the kind of the strange thing is one is there's a huge amount of trading and negotiating happening. Basically, you can negotiate for anything at any time, uh, at least when it's on your, you can only you can negotiate with the active player at any time. Uh, the other interesting mechanic is you must play your cards in order that they were received. So the cards then become a moot issue, right? Because you you don't have any choice on how you play those cards. The whole game becomes negotiation. And we were playing with like I think a full group, which was I think seven. And so, what ended up happening with us was it was very difficult to know what everybody else was doing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. One of the key things is you can only have two plant types being grown at a time. You only get two fields in the game parlance. And so, if the next card in your hand doesn't match your two fields, you have to burn out one of your fields to plant that card. You have no choice. And so, you're clearly trying to get rid of any cards that could throw you off before you can sell your beans. Um, 
so one thing is is it was extremely long. Uh, the 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 rules say you play through the entire deck of cards three times, and it's a pretty good sized deck. But each turn has so much negotiation going. Each turn could take three or four minutes, and you know we got through the whole thing once before we ran out of time. So. For me, uh, I think the thing that I realized most was I really, really, really need narrative in my games. Mm. Even if it's a cheesy narrative, like, hey, you're trading stuff back and forth from the new world to the old world. At least some semblance, and I guess you could say, oh, well, you're you're planting means, you're but a you're really not. Farmer. <laughs> you, you're really not. It could have been just, it could have been done with a... Uh, you know, a deck of standard cards. Right. Uh, and it would have been just fine. Um, so, yeah, I kind of enjoyed the negotiation, but I don't know that I necessarily enjoyed the game. I remember when I first started getting into gaming and, you know, just checking out what was on the market and different websites and everything like that, there's like 14 different versions of this game. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I And... And I just looked at it, and every one of them was like some variation on beans. And I, I was just, my mind boggled at the fact that this gaming empire was built on bean farming. Well, and I guess that that's almost sort of makes my point, is that you can have all kinds of versions of this, because it doesn't really matter. Right, because all of it's this, just tacked on to begin with. Yeah, it, this is a really strong case of theme just layered over the top of whatever, uh, of a mechanic. And it's a decent mechanic, don't get me wrong. Again, it's it's rummy. It's a mechanic that's been around forever. Right. With trading. It's rummy with trading. and um, But the bean thing just... You know, and that that having been said, it was the same day we played Zoo Loretto's. So it's not like, you know, building a zoo is not like a profound theme or something. It's but not it's like, you know, something. the super fantasy adventure or something, but it's better than planting beans. <laughs> All right. So that that's what I've been playing. I've been busy. Uh a bunch of games for me, apparently one from you and uh does it have with cards? It might be involve cards. It might yeah. involve a cyberpunk future uh-huh. in, in which corporations are trying to take over the world. And You've been hacking. I've been I've been on both sides of the field. I can finally say that I've played the corporations. My brother took pity on me and let me finally play the other side of the of the game. All right. So now you've played both. Give. Uh, we're talking about Netrunner, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Android Netrunner. Uh, Netrunner. Trust me, if the folks have been listening to us over the past couple of weeks, heck, I put out a YouTube video because you know to build up for the charity thing that's happening next week. I've I've been on Saturdays. I've been putting out videos, and even on the video, send them Red Bull, people. Send them Red Bull. Even even one of the videos, I, I made a recommendation of y'all need to be playing Netrunner. So I I I'm a year late to the party, but I have completely bought in. <laughs> All right. So now tell me, last time we you kind of described what the game was about, but you hadn't played yet. Right. I had, uh, I had played like half a game. Okay. So now give it to us. What what do we have? What is it like to be the hackers? What is it like to be the corporation? And how does this game work where it's... Uh, and I think... I don't know of too many other games, but it's... Um, what's the right word? Asymmetric. Asymmetric. Uh, asymmetric card games are, are kind of the way that living card games are going these days. Uh, mostly because of the fact that 
the the nature of living card game. It's not I'm going to get this set of cards and you're going to get this set of cards and it's going to be the same and you're building the same deck. It, it for it for it to be able to sell you this is the box. This box is all you need. There there needs to be a, a different set of cards on each side so you're not overlapping. Uh right, but it's more than just like, well, I'm playing a uh, you know, black deck. And oh you're no, it's a green. This deck. is this is not the magic. Things are are basically the same, but the the means of which that is brought about is different. No, this is this is a completely different game on the other side. To give you the basic rundown, the corporations have a very defensive feel. The idea of the corporations is you are trying to push forth your agendas. And the agendas do lots of different stuff. They're either making money or attacking the, your enemies, or there's all sorts of different things that can happen with agendas based on which corporation you pick. So you're putting these into servers on the network to, to kind of build them up and advance them to the point that they're ready to go out into the world. But the hackers, the, the, the runners are going to try and keep stealing them from you. They're trying to break into your servers and steal all your information. So you have to set up what in in our actual world would call like a firewall, mm -hmm. but in this game it's called ice. And okay. ice is basically the defenses that you put up in front of your servers to stop runners from getting to your stuff. So on the corporation side, it is a very defensive game. Now there there are some that are kind of kind of offensive like their defenses just slam runners right okay quite frankly so far i haven't you know, played a machine enough... gun is a good defense right? right i mean i haven't i haven't played enough of the corporations to really nail down which one my favorite is but so far the one that's in the lead uh most of their ice is do damage to the runner do damage to the runner do damage to the runner um so yeah so but other other of them are just like i'm just gonna put myself behind a wall and you're not gonna get me and i'm just gonna advance everything real quick and you just can't get me so they're doing a very defensive game likewise the runners are doing a very offensive game you are create you are bringing up programs and hardware and resources for the sole purpose of breaking into whatever the corporation has as far as their defenses, breaking through that, uh, cutting through the ice with the different programs you have called icebreakers, and and just stealing all the agendas. And yeah, oh my goodness, this this game is so awesome. <laughs> I will tell you, probably earlier today, I played the most epic game of this game that I've ever played. Now, granted, I haven't been playing long. But I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be hard to top the epic nature of this game that I played with my wife, of all people. Alright. So how does this go? I was... The play-by-play. -play. I, I, the play-by-play. -play. We'd been playing for a while. It was getting down to the end. I was playing the runners. I was playing uh, pretty much the, the, the set of cards you have with the basic game for a faction referred to as the Anarchs. Now, the Anarchs, their big thing is viruses and just assaulting the system. And the cards that I had, basically, my whole strategy, uh, one of the ways that the runners can win is if the corporation tries to draw a card and there is no card to draw. Okay. 
the it it basically means the runners have won. They have taken everything that the corporation has. So I was playing the Anarchs, and this particular Anarch deck was designed to just slaughter the corporation R&D. This guy had viruses that made you get rid of cards, and every time he installed a virus, you had to get rid of a card. Like, his whole purpose in life was to ruin your R&D. And I, I'm... I'm okay. The Anarchs aren't my favorite, but I, I'm getting used to them. And I, I, I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I had whittled her R&D her down to next to nothing. And she was getting really nervous. Now, one of the other win, one of their win conditions is you get seven agenda points. And to not okay. go into too much play-by-play, -play, the corporations have a way of getting agendas, and the runners have a way of getting agendas. At this point... All I'm going to tell you is, you need seven to win. My wife had six points. I had five. So either one of us could get an agenda and probably win. I get her down to her last card in R&D. Last one. I All I had to do was sit back, wait for her turn to be over, just kind of coast through mine. Next turn, when she was going to pick up again, it would be over and I would win. My wife looks at me and says... Now wait, I just picked up my last card. Do I get to finish this turn? So I kind of verified with the rules, because again, still new at the game. Right. And I said, yes, my win condition is if the corporation goes to draw and cannot. You went to draw and you did. This is your last turn. If you can't win right now, I win. And she goes, okay. And kind of the way the turn goes is you have these things called clicks. And it's basically, you can do three actions as the corporation. It takes one click and one credit, which is the kind of money in this game, to advance something. She gets three of them. And she looks at me, and she, go, she gets a big smile on her face, and she goes, So I only need one agenda point to win, right? And I go, Yeah. And she goes... I'm going to spend all my clicks, the last of my money, to advance this. It's an agenda. I win. All I had to do was <laughs> just sit there. Did nothing. <laughs> and I was going to win. And she just looked at me with a big goofy smile on her face and stole that victory from me. And I, awesome. I left that game going, I'm not even upset. I'm no, not even upset. Of course not. It's not about if you win or lose. It's about how awesome the game is. That game was fantastic. I, I for the the next fifteen minutes, I was like, just, just, I'd look at her and just go, just, just clutch, man. That was just clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play again. <laughs> oh man, I would, but she, she didn't want to. But I have now infected my brother as well. Um, my wife is only kind of into it. She has her favorite corporation. She has no desire to play the runners. And she has her favorite corporation. I might, you know, eventually convince her that this is a game worth playing. But right now, she's happy with what she's got. Um, my brother got a very early Christmas present. And I told him it was so. Because I wanted to give it to him now just so that we could be playing. <laughs> very cool. And awesome. I, I, I must have played like half a dozen games in one sitting with him. Be after uh, he got his cards, and yeah, oh, I love this game. I love this game. I don't know why it took this long before somebody convinced me that this was a game worth playing, because it it's fantastic. It really is. 
you know, I haven't had the chance to play. Like I said, I've seen it played uh, a bunch of times, but I know that it's really popular uh, down at our game store. In fact, coming up this week, there is a major pagan holiday, which all Christians <laughs> should not take part in. And uh, there's going to be a Netrunner tournament happening at our shop. Um, I won't be able to make it to that tournament, though. Because you'll uh, be celebrating the pagan because holiday? Because I'll be celebrating the pagan holiday that Christians aren't supposed to take a part in. Uh, my kids are witches. Nice. Uh, for the holidays. So is my wife. So is my wife. Um, yeah. Halloween's coming. I-, I love this holiday, which is upsetting because my wife hates it. Yeah, you know, and we talked about that. But instead of... Uh, well, maybe we'll later get into the uh, the nitty-gritty of the theological the conversation. Nuts of, yeah, the theological but, nuts and bolts of Halloween. But setting that aside for now, you know, there are a lot of games that aren't necessarily... Halloween specific but fit have a good uh, connection if you will uh, <laughs> with Halloween um, I'll tell you what there's a, a game coming out uh, at, at Essen uh, Essen is the German equivalent of you know uh, Gen Con probably yeah uh, here. Gen Con and Essen are pretty much the right uh, that that definitely kind of fits the theme and uh, that I'm interested in, called uh, Dead Panic, brought to you by the same people who make Castle, Castle Panic. Panic. Uh, it is a uh, co-op zombie um, kill the zombies. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely uh, interested in checking that one out. But Mike, what do you what do you think? What are some good Halloween games? Well, it might it might be trite. But I can't help it. It's it's one of the best games to play with a large group. And it's I don't see why you wouldn't do this at Halloween. It's a little game uh, called Ultimate Werewolf. Okay, well, I assumed you were going to go with Werewolf, but Ultimate Werewolf. Ultimate Werewolf so, is... For those of you who don't know, Werewolf... Is, let's it, start with Werewolf. What is Werewolf? Werewolf, werewolf is basically... How do I... It, it's... You're given a card, and on that card, you're probably going to get one of a handful of different roles. You're either. And I think be... every time I have ever played, there are three by five cards with names written on them. Oh, I usually play with a, a regular deck of playing cards. Okay. But um, you're either a peasant, you are a werewolf, you are... And there, some of the other roles vary depending on the game. But it's somebody who knows, who can identify who the werewolves are. And it's somebody who can protect the people who are attacked by the werewolves. Right. It, so this game is, I think... Now tell me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But this is like a traditional game, basically. It's not like something that some game company came out with and put it in a box and sold at your friendly local game store. This game right? has this been is, around for a good long while. This is like, like a Boy Scout game. It's a camp game. It's been kind of one of those things that's been around forever you know I, I think uh, I think about it in, in like the same genre as you know thumbs up seven up or what's the name of that seven up thumbs oh up, yeah I, whatever, I know what you're talking you know, about the thing you, you play when you're it's raining and you're at rec- you don't get to go out and recess in elementary <laughs> school you know um, so go ahead keep going keep going so what happens is is that your your goal in this game depends on your role if you're a citizen or one of those special people designed to help the citizens, your goal is to get rid of the werewolves. 
seems like a reasonable goal. Right. If you're the werewolves, your goal is to eat all the citizens. You know, also seems reasonable to me. If if you're a flesh-eating monster, that just seems, you know, right. Yeah. But what happens is, is that so every night, the werewolves get to pick a victim, all done in secret. The werewolves then kind of, you know, you know, there's a narrator who kind of goes through all this, but they, you know, they say that the werewolf goes to sleep, and then all the various positions get to go and whatever, and then in the morning... You get to find out if the person was either, you know, attacked and was saved by the doctor or whatever, or if they were horribly murdered by the werewolves. And basically this all happens by certain members of the group, depending on, depending on their role, closing their eyes. Uh, things happen around them. Those are, who still are allowed to have their eyes open can make choices, touch people, that kind of thing. Uh, and then they switch. One group closes their eyes, the next group opens their eyes, right. and they get to do their actions. So, in most of these games, in, in all their variations, there's, you know, the peasants, the werewolves, and the people, you know, one or two people that are special characters that do right, special the things. sheriff, the doctor, that kind of thing. Ultimate Werewolf kicks that up a notch and adds a boatload of extra special people. Some of them are amazingly powerful. Some of them... I would feel bad if some somebody got some of these. Okay. Like I was I looked through all of them. Like with a game like this, you're not going to play with all the roles. You're never going to have a big enough group to play with everybody. Right. So I looked through some of them and one of them, I I feel bad if somebody gets this. The one character is called the old man. And the old man lives for precisely as many days as there are werewolves. And after that, regardless of whether the werewolves get him or not, he dies. <laughs> okay. But, like, that just gives you an idea. If that's a possibility, imagine all the other variations. Right. There are dozens of different special characters in Ultimate Werewolf, including a vampire clan. Yep. That is in competition. They sparkly vampires. They're not sparkly. At least not in my world, they're not sparkly. But there's a vampire clan who wants to also take over the town, and they're in competition with the werewolves, and it's nuts. So, yeah. Either either you're picking it up as a regular deck of cards, or you're you're going out like I like I did and paying like twenty bucks for the umpteen special characters and the cool cards that they give you. It doesn't matter. It's the ultimate Halloween game as far as I'm concerned definitely good for a Halloween party uh, where you have a lot of people. Because I think you got to have at least maybe ten people. Oh, yeah. I think. I would I think even, I would I even mean, say more than It's definitely better 10. with like 20 or 30. I would say more than ten because, quite frankly, if I had ten people, I'd be playing The Resistance. Okay. Which works on a very similar mechanic but doesn't right. involve people getting out of the game. Right. All right, well, I think that's a... Uh, I, I had a feeling you were going to throw that one out there, so that's why I kind of threw to you first. Um, and, but I, you're right. I think that is the classic Halloween game, other than maybe, you know, like the Ouija board. Uh. That kind of thing. Um, but there are a lot of games also that that, that maybe aren't traditionally... Because I think Werewolf is like... You know, well, it's a traditional Halloween party kind of game. At, at but this there's point, a lot of that... games that... 
if I could make some kind of annotation, like I've been, I've, you know, I've been working on YouTube videos lately, I could make an annotation right here and point you to the episode where Chris and I were talking about Cthulhu and the Cthulhu-type games, because right. anything that's Arkham whatever, yeah, that's right. going to be a great Halloween game. <laughs> Right, uh, Arkham or now Eldritch, uh, right, Eldersign, uh, Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror. Uh, but actually, the one I was going to throw out there is a Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh my goodness, it's such a fantastic game that I'm never going to be able to own because my wife would hate me for it. <laughs> well, it is gnarly in terms of like. So what's what's interesting about this game is it's a co-op game. Uh, it's a tile laying game. It's a co-op game to a point. Right, and that's the thing, is that at some point during the game, uh, there's this kind of haunting mechanic, and the haunt happens, and at that point, a kind of a randomizer comes in, and one of the characters is chosen as uh, the traitor, the, the be be betrayer. Um, so, kind of a couple things that are interesting about that is, one, is there is a whole ton of things that happen after the the person who is the betrayer uh, is brought out, right? There's all of these different ways the game can unfold. Well, there are like, actually there are actually two books that come with the game. Right. One that and says so, what the the quote unquote good guys are doing, and then the other what the person who's who's the victim right. of the haunt is doing. So what happens is somebody is randomly chosen as the betrayer, kind of randomly, semi randomly, and then it's kind of semi also semi random. You know, you get haunt number 14, and the the guy who's a betrayer goes off and on his own, looks at his book, and it tells him everything that's going to happen in haunt number 14, and there's a, there's a storyline that goes along with that, and then uh, they get, you know, maybe special powers or special weapons, and a special, a new endgame goal. In the same way, the, the people who are uh, still on the good side, if you will, read their haunt number 14 and they get their special tools or weapons or rules or whatever and they get their new endgame condition and chances are neither one knows which is the other guy's endgame condition. They just... Uh, yeah, I can say the last time I played this, which was actually the first time I played this, which is, again, citing the fact that it can never <laughs> enter this household, um, I was playing as a guy named Ox, which... I will still say was the best choice I ever made. <laughs> I imagine that Ox is probably a large fella. Yeah, he's a large fella who's dumb as rocks. Nice. Um, and the haunt was was that one of the the players, um, was pretty much a ghost that had lured us to the house, and the ghost wanted to kill us so that we would be ghosts in the house because she was lonely. Exactly. And it was probably some kind of horrific description that came along with that. Yeah, oh, oh my goodness. Apparently she was slowly filling the house with water. And each okay. floor by floor was being overtaken by water. So not only did we have to move quickly and avoid her, <laughs> we had to continually move up and we had to find a boat. Somewhere in the house we were told there was a boat, but we didn't know where. So we had to run through the house to find a boat, and when we found the boat, we had to then keep, bring the boat to a tower, which was where the haunt got opened, and we, when we brought the, the, we'd wait for the water to rise, take the boat out, and all the while, if she got to us, 
we were toast because she basically had the ability to touch us and kill us. Right. And so we had to run. I, thankfully, you know, I was ox. And so one of the things you have to do is you have to physically pick up the boat with one of your characters has to pick up the boat and run it to the tower. So I was playing ox and his whole thing was, I just hucked it up over my shoulder and ran. <laughs> nice. But no, that game is fantastic. Alright, so Mike, can you think of any other good Halloween-type games? I mean, there's a lot uh, of games that could fit. There's a lot of things that could fit. You know, basically any game with zombie in the title. Yeah, the zombie games are great. Um, there's a, a bunch of stuff that deals with, with ghosts ranging from silly kid games up to serious games. I don't know. I it's a serious game that, that, that deals with ghosts. I'm blanking. Well, I'm, they exist. I, I don't. All right. I wouldn't All right. recommend most of them. I just know they right. exist. And then you can get there. There are games that are, there are games that are set in darker worlds. Um, oh yeah. Well, there's a there's a role playing game that I would highly recommend called Inspectors. And in, I've not heard of this. It, you're basically playing the Ghostbusters. Ha! <laughs> awesome. And you're you're basically going through and you'll find out that there's a werewolf. And the whole concept is it's very player-driven. Like, the GM doesn't really run things. The GM is the facilitator. Right, just make sure all the rules are being, you know... Right, and the, the, GM, the, uh... the GM basically has the ability to ask how this thing went, because one of the mechanics is almost like... I, I, I consider it like almost back in the day when they used to do that real-world show... I don't know. I hope they they're still not doing that, but they'd have the confessionals. I think they are actually, but continue. they'd have the confessionals where they'd go off into this room and talk about how awful everything was. Well, this game has a mechanic where you basically do confessionals. So it's like, I wish I was going to do this, but man, it was really good that that axe was sitting right over there because <laughs> otherwise I'd be dead. And it, it it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's player-driven, storytelling kind of game about hunting monsters and ghosts as pretty much the Ghostbusters. It's it's so much fun. I'm going to say that the Ghostbusters costume was one of my most epic Halloween costumes. A, and I had some seriously epic Halloween costumes. A good Ghostbusters costume involving a full proton pack is one of the coolest things ever. Well, I was a kid. But at the same time, it was fully built out. We had tubes. We had, you know, a big old pack with the lights on top. And nice. The, it was awesome. It's amazing what you can do with duct tape and cardboard tubes. And, and time. Uh, <laughs> and time and access to hospital uh, extras. Oh, I could only imagine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of games that could fit if you're doing a game night for... Halloween, uh, or if you're just playing some games with your family. Um, but, you know, I think we do need to, and I, I don't even remember if we had a Halloween episode last year. Um, Luke, we have a, a tendency to forget about the fact that holidays are arriving due to our bi-weekly schedule okay. here. Good to know. <laughs> so I don't, so I don't I, think we did. If perhaps we have gone through this material before, we're sorry. Chances are you've forgotten too. So uh, we do want to bring up the the issue of Halloween because it's a major issue in the Christian world. Uh, again, I decided uh, the fact that 
uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, though a really fun game and a game that I really enjoy playing, will never enter my house right. because of my other uh, half. I have always... Uh, uh, so, I, th- you know, I've been a part of churches that that disagree with Halloween and part of churches that, that I'm not going to say agree with Halloween because that's a funny way of saying it, but you know what I mean, that take part in Halloween. Right. Uh, and I have always, on, in both places had people that fell on the other side of the line. Um, so one thing I think that is really important, and, you know, it's a mantra that we have on this show, is... It's how we get by. Yeah, is that you need to let people make their own decisions about these kind of things. Don't make decisions for people. Uh, don't make it hard for people. Don't, you know, ridicule their decisions. But this is one of those things where... There's no clear line, and as a result, we really have to trust in our own uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit to tell us what it is that we want to be doing here. Um, I think anybody who's listened to the show ever knows how we're going to come down (laughs) on Whatever do you mean, says the man who Um, reads H.P. Lovecraft for fun. But uh, to be fair, uh, there are... Uh, plenty of Christians out there who believe uh, really in in concepts of spiritual warfare that say when you engage in these kind of things, things that that in a way glorify evil, glorify demons, uh, glorify Satan, uh, you are opening yourself to possible spiritual attack. Um, and uh, you know that's is. On, again, it's one of those issues that when you look at the scripture, it is not clear. Uh, right. I tend to think that it, the evidence is extremely limited for that. Um, but again, it's just one of those things that the Bible doesn't really talk all that much about. So uh, there are people out there who feel that way, and they do have legitimate reasons. That said, for us... Uh, especially, Mike, I think probably because you and I both grew up outside of the church. Yeah, both Halloween of us came to faith me, later. Halloween for me is, you know, it is one of the most significant days of the year. Uh, I, I I love it. I, I mean, I love fall, the whole experience of fall. Um, and the whole idea of being out at night with your community, to me, is special. You know, it's one of the very few times a year that we kind of open our doors to each other. And, uh, you know, you see your neighbors and you talk to your neighbors in a world where you don't do that very often. And, you know, the kids are out and it's a time when kids can be in a place where they normally can't be. They normally can't be out at night by themselves or they normally can't be out at night at all. And they can be out there and they can experience that. And for me, part of that is the freedom of being able to be out there and be able to experience all that. But part of it also is the fear. Of saying, you know, that I know right now that I am walking in a place where I normally am not allowed to be. And, you know, we've talked about in our role-playing games, one of the great experiences that we have with role-playing games is being able to live out things that we normally wouldn't do. You know, you've talked about how you've really learned a lot by playing evil characters. Oh, or by I, playing I characters re- that that are, you know, just to have a less moral certitude. Than, uh, uh, I'm, I'm currently, my guy I'm currently playing with my D&D guys, which I was just playing last week, 
Um, yeah, he's always been kind of evil. He's been like on the outskirts of evil. He's been like that evil wannabe for the most of this game, just because I'm not that guy who will ruin a game to play my character. Because, like, to play truly evil is to right. basically screw over your team. Right. I, I don't I do not do that. But, at the same point, if an opportunity came that wouldn't destroy the team, but would just put us in an awkward position, um, basically, my guy had the opportunity to bring vengeance on this upstart nobleman who who attacked the town where we actually have a side quest of building up this town. And my guy takes personal responsibility for it because this is the town where his future empire will start from. And I had the, I, I I'm playing a scion for those of you who know D and D. And so I can read this dude's mind. And so I go, Oh yeah, I can totally make him talk. I can't trust that I can't promise you that he's not going to be harmed, but I can make him talk. And so they go, yeah, sure. We'll let you do that. Well, I, w we do that and I do that successfully. And all of a sudden I look to my GM and I go, I don't care what the rest of them say. This is, this is what I'm going to do. If you let me, I want to kill him. I'm already in his head. I want to just render him brain dead right now. He does not attack me and live. And my, the rest of the guys I'm playing with are like, are you serious? Because we can talk to him some more. And I'm like, no. My guy would not... He has him in his hands. And yes, it's going to cause a lot of pain. And yes, it's going to be really awful. But this is what my guy would do. And I've, I found myself, as a player, getting really excited. Because I got to let my guy be my guy. And, you know... It's like when an actor really gets into a role. It's there's a certain kind of when you're when you're into that character. It's really kind of awesome to to see them do what they do. As a person, I found myself going, "Man, I my guy is just so filled with hatred and vengeance. Like his whole existence is bouncing from one person who slighted him to the next person who slighted him." And just wanting to crush everyone in his path because he feels like they've all done him wrong. And, yeah, it, I've learned a lot about the nature of evil by playing this guy. And so I totally get that. You know, I wonder sometimes, and I really kind of want to dance around this issue, to be honest with you. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you open your mouth and you realize, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. You're going to do it. <laughs> So I've been thinking a lot lately about fear. Um, you know, we just moved. And so we've got the kids over at, you know, we're all, we're at this new house, which is on a new street in a new neighborhood. And, you know, my kids want to go out and play. And I have to now decide, you know, where are their boundaries? Where are they allowed to play? Where are they not allowed to play? And, you know, it's very cliche to say this at this point, but it, it's true the boundaries that my kids have are so much more limited than, than the, the boundaries that I had. had when I was their age. And I will freely admit to the fact that I'm afraid. I'm afraid to let them out of these boundaries. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually do believe that the, there is more reason to be afraid now than there was when we were kids. But there's probably not as much reason as I actually experience. Uh, and... I wonder how much of this is the same. 
uh, in terms of the, the, the kind of Christian equivalent. You know, when people talk to us about the games that we play, about the things that we do, about the books that we read, that, you know, it's a, a fear reaction. And say, oh no, I'm not going to have any part of that. I need to be separate from that. And now I'm not saying that's for everybody, of course. There are probably people who are just really spiritually sensitive and who just don't enjoy that kind of topic. And, and that's fine. But I do wonder how much of it is a knee-jerk fear reaction to the possibility of something happening, even though that possibility really isn't there. You know, we talk about in terms of our neighborhoods and, and you know, we worry that our kids are going to be abducted. And you know what? It just doesn't happen. Right? Almost every abduction happens from a family member. Right. The, the random ones are so, so minimal you know, we would never take our kids in a car if we were going to worry about things that happen that rarely. You know, car accidents are so much more popular, not popular, but so much more likely than a kidnapping. And yet we, we put all of these boundaries on our kids. Well, we do the same things uh, in terms of the games that we play and going out and experiencing Halloween and being part of our community. We, we maybe have this knee-jerk reaction and I wonder almost if Satan did more by promoting our fear than he ever would did and ever would by dressing up in a costume. Oh, oh I, I totally buy that. Uh, one of the one of the more interesting things I've been able to do in my life was for ten days I traveled all around like Amman, Jordan, and the surrounding area. And we got to, to jump to a bunch of different churches. Several of our guys got to speak in churches. Well, as as one of the resident youth guys, uh, one of the stops that we had was the Amman Baptist School, which is one of the most prestigious schools there. And it's it's one of the few places that is openly Christian because it's not it's not illegal to be a Christian. It is illegal to proselytize, proselytize. to 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 make. To, to share the gospel with people. That is illegal. So w one of the things that parents are required to do before they let their kids go here is sign a document saying we are under, we, we understand that there will be Christian education here. And what the Amman Baptist School has done is that they pride themselves on having the best education so that even Muslim parents are saying this education is so good you know we'll just we'll just teach them about it when there's other stuff when we get when they get home sure and so i i sat in i i did a a big lesson to like the whole room which was crazy because apparently the prince's son was in that room i couldn't tell you where he was but i'm like wow i feel important <laughs> <laughs> but then afterwards i i met with uh, a classroom of seventh graders and so I had prepared this whole big thing, but after a while I realized, I'm like, listen, you guys probably don't get a lot of Americans here. This is my first time speaking to a classroom like this. How about you guys just ask me questions and I'll, I'll answer them the best I can. So it started off with the basic stuff about like, what's it like in America and, you know, are your parents Christians and all that stuff. And, you know, having grown up, kind of working with teenagers over here to go over there was a completely different thing because one of the first questions they asked was about spiritual warfare and 
you know, at first I was kind of taken aback because I, I did not expect that. And the teacher was, was almost like, oh, do you not know how to, do you not want to deal with that? I go, no, no, I can. I'm just, okay. I just didn't realize that was going to be a thing. And the one thing that I told this room full of kids who were like leaning on the, the fronts of their chairs, you know, when it, when you're talking about spiritual warfare, I said, the biggest thing you have to realize is that Satan's already lost that Christ already has the victory. And if you are in him, you have nothing to fear. I said, is there stuff that he does? Yes. Is, does he have power? Yes. But really when all is said and done, if you are in Christ, he can't hurt you. And all the kids, I just watched as they had this, this huge sigh of relief. And I'm like, you know, I think we do that to ourselves. Yeah. Like, I I don't think it's limited to these kids in this country. I I think that we do that here too. I think so many times we we jump from having a respect of the fact that the devil wants to screw with us and to take us away from God, and we, instead of having a respect, we have a fear like like he hasn't already lost, and and I right. don't understand that. Right, he doesn't have the power, but he can trick us into believing that he does. Any any power that he has was given to him by God, and guess what? It'll get taken away in an instant. I think it's funny that, you know, Halloween is about fear. Oh, yeah, it is. It's about getting scared. It's about being out in the dark with monsters. You know? And those of us who choose to stay at home and don't engage in that might just be doing it because they're afraid of monsters in the dark different set of monsters but it's the same thing and uh you know again don't get me wrong if you're just not into it that's cool that's fine but uh and you know so often we limit our choices because of fear and you know what it might not even be a spiritually based fear how many people are like dude we really want to play these games but until we talk to you or until we listen to your show we didn't have the courage to go out and do it. Yeah. You know, you guys made it possible for us to say, okay, hey, I'm going to check out this game now. Or We've I'm gotten a handful go check of those. Out my, or check out my local game store. Or join up a meetup group. Or, you know, buy a game and play it with my, my wife and my kids. Or, or whatever. You know? And because this is, you know, because we're part of a culture that's kind of a, got a bit of a stigma to it. And, uh, you know, people wonder, what are these games really like, and how are they... And, and you know, we're, we're here to say, you know what, you don't need to be afraid of that. Uh, uh, and in the same way, we're here to say, you don't need to be afraid of the evil one, because the evil one is done. Right. Jesus beat him. And, you know, the the game is already over, the final bell hadn't rung yet, but game's over. Uh, you know, when Jesus comes back, it, they're will be a battle, but there's not going to be a fight. Right. And, um, yeah, I uh, something that, that often gets said uh, when, I, when I make those statements, the ones that we're making right now that, that Satan has already lost, and, like, one thing that continues to be brought up over and over again is that, yeah, but you don't want to just neglect the fact that he's there. And I go, okay, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. It, you know there's a reason that he's referred to in scripture as the prince of the power of the air. I mean, he, you know, 
he does things. He affects things. He, you know, all he and his his freaking minions are everywhere. I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying that spiritual warfare isn't a thing and that we just need to say, screw you, pass the Ouija board. I, what I'm saying is, guys, when all is said and done, the victory has already happened. This is okay. mentioning his name is not calling right. him into being. Okay, that's that's the thing. If you are making a choice to go and connect with Satan, guess that's what? That's a you're whole other do? thing, and we're gonna right. tell you don't do that. So you can't, but you're not gonna get tricked into playing the wrong game, and all of a sudden you're gonna be you're gonna find your beliefs changing. That's not going to happen. That's if, not the way it works. If your beliefs change a, over a game, you didn't really have that belief in the first place. Well, besides that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to call it like it is, man. If, if you play a game and go, my life is completely different now. Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, but, but you know what I mean. There's, there's this kind of concept that if you do the wrong thing, if you touch the wrong thing, that you're going to get kind of infected by well by Satan and his... And, and, and you're not gonna accident. You're not gonna accidentally catch the bug. Yeah, you're not gonna. You have to catch be willfully evil. sinning. Okay, Satan doesn't want you to play a game. He wants you to sin and rebel against God. I, and you can't accidentally rebel against God. Luke, Luke, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the promise that I made to you at the beginning. I'm, I, I said when before we started recording, I said I'm not gonna bring up dark dungeons. I'm not gonna bring up Jack Kick. <laughs> But I can't help it. If you play D&D, you don't get actual magic powers. You don't get invited to join a cult at the at level... Uh, what was it? Level 10? Level 12 or something that you get? I've had characters at level 12. I love Jesus, and I don't shoot fireballs out of my fingers. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. There are a couple spells I would like to have. <laughs> I, I mean... They would just make life more convenient. Yeah, that'd be fun. But guess what, folks? They're not, not real. real. Hmm. Not real. Not gonna happen. And, and I, I, you know, I feel bad. I, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to end the show with us kind of quote. You know, it it can be taken that we're making fun of people who hold this, and and I think slightly we are, but I think really the only reason that we have that tone is because. I don't know about you, Luke, and I'm pretty confident I can say that this is the same for you. I am so confident in Christ, not in me, but in Christ, that I don't I don't fear this. No, yeah, there's there's nothing to fear. To yeah. quote to quote the old VeggieTales standard, God is in fact bigger than the boogeyman. That he is. That he is. And and it doesn't matter if if the boogeyman uh is, you know, hiding behind a board game or a GM screen or comes up to your door and says trick or treat. Uh, God's bigger. And I will tell you the, the one thing that you need to fear is yourself. Because guess what? We are way better at sinning than any board game is going to make you. Yeah. Any, any role playing game. You can do it all by yourself. You don't need a game. You don't need a computer. You don't need anything. But you can sin. I have. And I have you a standing. Yourself from God. I have a standing rule that I refuse to play the game Cards Against Humanity. Is that a problem with Cards Against Humanity? No. The reason I don't play Cards Against Humanity, and I don't care that other Christians do, 
is because when I play Cards Against Humanity, I am brought face-to-face with my own sin nature. That's why I don't play it. (laughs) So, just that, you know, like we said kind of, it was last last episode or a couple episodes ago, we said there are things that we don't play. Oh, absolutely. And and I, I firmly want to just bring that up again, that do not contradict your, your convictions to play a game that we think is cool. Don't ever Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Ever. If you feel like you are... If a game or a book or a movie or a friend or a conversation is morally... Not just wrong, but morally damaging to you, don't do it. Right. Uh, if by experiencing this thing, you can feel yourself being drawn away from God, don't do it. But if you're afraid that doing a thing might draw you away from God, that's where we have to stop and go, okay, is it going to actually draw me away from God? Or am I just being afraid? And maybe this thing actually will bring me closer to God. Maybe it's completely neutral. Who knows? But you can also be be really confident in knowing that if you try the thing, if you head to your game store, and you feel like, oh, wow, this is disconnecting from me from God, well, guess what? Forgiveness is there. He'll be right there with you. The Holy Spirit still indwells you. You stop and you go home and don't do that again. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, there you go. At least then you know. Yeah. All right, Mike. So what are, what are you going to do for Halloween this year? Anything? Um, church got anything going on? Church doesn't have anything going on. We're probably going to end up, oddly enough, my father-in-law's birthday is Halloween. Interesting. <laughs> so, and seeing as, as it's going to be pretty much, I think we're going to be celebrating it the day before this 25 hours of board gaming for charity. Yes. So I'm pretty pretty confident, you know, it's going to be me in my sweatpants handing out candy to children. I think that's going to be my night. <laughs> you know what? That's an all right night. So talk, you you, uh, you mentioned uh, that you have the uh, 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 Extra Life. Extra I Life. Think, uh, event coming up. On November the 2nd. Yep. Tell us a little bit more about it and how people can get connected with it. November the 2nd, which is, if, if you're listening to this at the time of us actually posting it, it will be this upcoming Saturday. Uh, a team of us, I believe we're up to six people on the team right now, uh, will be playing board games and card games for 25 hours. It's 25 hours because Daylight Savings Time is this weekend. <laughs> So we'll be playing for 25 hours. Uh, we're going to be teaming up with the guys from Extra Life, which, oddly enough, Extra Life started with a couple of guys just playing games, and it has become this year yearly event of people raising money for local hospitals in the Children's Miracle Network. Uh, our particular one, because we're based here out of, out of New Jersey, we are playing for the Children's Specialized Hospital. Uh... I've actually gotten a chance to get an email and talk to the woman who's in charge of the Children's Miracle Network for this area, 
And so I was super excited to report that we currently, as of as of this recording, there's still a week left that people can make donations. But as of this moment, we have raised about $330 for the hospital. Just for playing some board games? Just for playing some board games. And, That's not bad. And they recently posted some of the, the ways they use the money. And uh, $100, if you raise $100, they use that to buy equipment and... Uh, kind of training time for kids who are going through rehabilitation after major surgery. Um, the next level is the $500 level. And the $500 level pays basically for a kid to stay in the long-term, uh, the long-term housing for a day is $500. So we could basically help a kid spend one day out of his, his, time frame in this hospital free of charge if we can get to five hundred dollars also uh if you donate uh it we're actually doing it per team member minimum of five dollars per team member for every donation you give you get a chance to win a gift certificate to cool stuff because oh awesome because i'm awesome that way <laughs> um if if we get currently it's going to be a fifteen dollar gift certificate but I've said that if we get fifty, if we get fifty percent of our total team goal, which I'll admit I set astronomically high, fair uh, enough. But if we get fifty percent of that, which is the five hundred dollar mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna up it to twenty five dollars gift certificate, and it will be ran. I'm literally gonna roll a twenty sided die. You get one chance. Uh, you get one number on that die based on the number of times you, the number of team members you donated to. And so definitely still looking for support, definitely looking to uh, do some awesome stuff for these kids. Uh, we will definitely do this again next year as well because it was such a cool event. Uh, the, the people at Extra Life are awesome, and uh, it, it's a good way to raise money for a lot of kids who could really use it. Awesome. I will be uh, feeding 200 Cub Scouts uh, on that day, but I will think about you playing board games while you do that. Play Pandemic it, for me. If you're listening to this and you want to donate, go to Game Store Profits. Uh, you'll see a thermometer that says this is how much we've raised. If you click on that, it'll bring it, bring you to our team page where you can make a donation. Very cool. Alright, man. So how can folks uh, get connected with the show uh, beyond uh, helping out uh, Extra Life? Uh, we have the Facebook uh, we have the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash gamestoreprofits, but we have a brand new thing, and a brand new thing that I'm, I'm promoting the heck out of, because, Luke, we are on the verge. If we haven't done a tease yet, we're going to do it again. I'm sorry, guys, we have to, because we're still on the verge uh, of bringing out Project Awesome. Yes, uh, my move has kind of... Uh, it, it, your move kind of threw a monkey that. wrench into... So you can blame Luke. Send hate mail care yes, of <laughs> but uh anyway when once project awesome goes live our page is probably going to change from game store profits to project awesome so uh, i wanted to make sure that game store profits and our listeners and everything like that continue to have the community that we're so proud of here that you guys are continuing to maintain and be awesome um so i made a facebook group facebook dot com 
slash groups slash game store profits. Um, there's about 50 of us in there right now, and we're talking about all sorts of stuff. I admittedly am talking a lot about uh, Android Netrunner. Whoa! <laughs> but um, a lot of the stuff that you guys have said that you liked about what I post on the Facebook page is going to end up going there as we transition the, the Facebook page to be more news about the, the, the larger ministry. So if you guys like what we put there, um, we the other reason I love the groups is because right as of right now, everything kind of gets shoved into the posts by others box, which no one ever sees. Yes, it is very annoying. In the groups, everybody has the same voice. Luke and I do not have, like, special privileges. The group is literally... You guys can post whatever you want in there. The The community can interact with it. Um, I actually occasionally put up stuff like uh, asking questions about what you guys want to see on the show. Once the, the interview with Holly Ann uh, went live, uh, I talked about the fact that uh, at some point, probably at the beginning of the new year, um, we're going to have Marty Connell from Rolling Dice and Taking Names on. And I said, after that, we don't have any more interviews scheduled. So I asked the guys, is there anybody else you want us to interview? Do you guys think the interviews are uh, a beneficial thing? Do you want to see more of that? I look forward to hearing that. Uh, we, we, hear, we talk about the games that people are playing. We talk about all that stuff. Um, yeah, so definitely hop on Facebook.com slash groups slash Game Store Profits. Uh, we can also, all the regular stuff is there on Twitter. We're at GS Profits. And our email is GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. All right, folks. So have a great Halloween, however you decide to celebrate it. And as always, remember that God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays. <laughs>